So why did you personally become an advocate for juvenile justice? I'm an advocate for criminal justice, period. Welcome to the first ever SCRJ Juvenile Justice Podcast. I'm Irene Park and I use she, her pronouns. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first SCRJ Juvenile Justice Podcast. I'm Michelle Lee and my pronouns are she, her. Hey, everyone. My name is Ryan Lee and I go by he, him pronouns. Today, Irene and Michelle are going to be interviewing Representative Rita Mayfield and Senator Kind on the topic of what legislative action is taking place to address juvenile justice reform. We'll also be asking them their opinions and stance on juvenile justice reform in general. As a disclaimer, these two interviews are recorded and taken separately, but they both cover the same topic. We hope you enjoy the podcast and take away at least one thing important from your time with us. Uh, so could you, in your own words, explain what HB 0111 is and why it's so important for Illinois? Let me pull up the bill. Okay, so, oh, this is our juvenile uh, minors. Yes. So we've had uh, several reiterations of this bill. I think this is my second time carrying it along with Senator Fine. And we're just looking to increase the age at which an individual is considered a minor uh, prior to them being sentenced to um, the Department of Corrections. What I've, you know, just from the data that's out there and what we've seen is that um, individuals prior to the age of 21, the brain science, it's just, they're not fully developed. Yes, they can um, drink, they can join the uh, military, they can do several things, but that doesn't mean that they're truly um, at a maturity stage as you are at 21. So we're just looking to increase the age from 18 to 19. It's simply just one year. And we're getting actually a lot of pushback. Um, but we're just basically looking to increase uh, the age of a minor just to give them that little bit more time. Um, there are other bills out there that are follow-up to this. There's another juvenile bill that says that you, um, it's called the No Child is Irredeemable Act that would prohibit children uh, individuals under the age of 21 from being sentenced to life sentences. So just giving them an opportunity for parole at some point, but increasing it, I, I just think it's the right thing to do. Thank you for your response. Um, so who do you think is the target demographic for the bill that you hope to influence? Juveniles currently locked up. <laughs> that would be the first and foremost. And also, you know, maybe just having this by having this out here and having the conversations like with the state's attorneys, you know, and providing them with just some of the data on the brain science of individuals under the age of 21, you know, maybe that will help them with their sentencing as well to understand, you know, who they're sentencing, you know, yes, looking at the person, looking at the crime, but also looking at taking their age into consideration. Uh, so what do you think is one of the main causes behind juvenile delinquency? There's no main cause. There are so many uh, factors, you know, adverse uh, factors that happen to individuals, things that have happened in their homes, things that are happening, you know, they could be bullied, it could be, you know, ch uh, child abuse, it could um, sexual abuse, they, you know, a parent that has been previously incarcerated, you know, single family households, poverty, there, there's just so many different things that lead to, um, you know, our children being in the predicaments that they're in, unfortunately, which is why, you know, from a state uh, representative perspective, we've been really pushing to provide more services. Education is huge. 
a lack of education leads to um, crime. We were wondering what are other issues you feel are not adequately addressed for juveniles in the justice system? I think a lot of it is the rehabilitative piece. You know, you can give somebody a 10, 15, 20 year sentence, but if you're not providing that person with the services that they need to truly rehabilitate, what what are you doing? You're just basically housing them, you know? And I think that has probably been one of the biggest problems uh, with juveniles is just that they've been housed. You know, we wanna make sure, are they getting the psychiatric help that they need, you know, to address why they offended in the first place? You know, what, what's really going on? We need to ask that question. And a lot of times we don't ask, you know, um, as a former school board member, we have, um, we had a high turnover, um, not turnover, I'm sorry, but a high dropout rate for students, but no one bothered to circle back to any of these kids and say, hey, why are you dropping out? You know, because we know that education is your um, doorway to being successful, but yet you're not, now you're not even going to school, so you're not going to get that education. Where do these children end up? They end up in the criminal justice system, but we never asked them why, or we never provided them with some of the services. Now, I will give um, our Department of Juvenile Justice, the, the director there, I will give her credit because one of the things that she has pushed is programming. You know, and we hadn't had that for years within the system. And that programming is looking at, you know, where is this child at academically? You know, can we help them to get, you know, uh, it's unfortunate when you have 16 year olds who can't read, who can't write, they don't know how to do basic math, you know, and then just giving them those, um, those tools. And what we find is that when we educate a child, it's almost like a light bulb going off. And then they're able to express themselves better. They're able to talk a little bit more about some of the other things that have gone on, you know, because you just address one of their deficiencies. Now we need psychologists, you know, in our juvenile justice system, you know, talking to that child, you know, what made you do these things? Why are you harboring so much anger? Because a lot of these children are angry and they're lashing out because they don't have, they feel that they don't have any control over the things that are happening around them. So when they lash out, they hurt people, you know, and some is intentional, some is not, but why did you lash out in the first place? You have to ask that question, get to the root cause. What actually happened, you know, to bring you, you know, from point A to point B to where you are now. So what do you hope are the next steps for addressing juvenile justice after HBO 111? Well, if we can get this passed, actually, I'd like the age to be 21, not 19, which is uh, where we initially started. And I, I think it should be not just for misdemeanors, but for all crimes, you know, felonies as well, um, within reason, you know, but I, I definitely would like to see this bill passed. I'd like to see our children, our youth, given an opportunity to heal, given an opportunity to basically say why they're there and to understand that their actions were wrong and to receive the appropriate help so that they can be successful and contributing citizens. So why did you personally become an advocate for juvenile justice? I'm an advocate for criminal justice, period. <laughs> you know, uh, youth are just a part of it, you know, and what we know is that if we can heal our youth earlier, it's easier to heal a youth than to um, try to heal an adult 40 or 50 years old. You know, it's easier to get to them. 
it's easier to correct bad behaviors at an earlier age and to really help them to understand before they become, you know, um, serial criminals or before they really get caught up in the system and do something just irreversible to someone else. That's the one thing that we don't want. We wanna make sure that we're getting to these kids early and providing them with services. And finally, how can we as youth get involved in advocating for juvenile justice? Well, like we're doing today, you know, meeting with representatives, asking questions, um, asking how can you get involved? Well, there's this thing that's called witness slips. Anybody can fill out a witness slip uh, that says that you are in support or opposition to a bill. You can go on the bills uh, on the website, ILGA.gov. You look up the bill. If it's posted to committee, there's a, um, a, a button in the upper left, right-hand corner that says witness slips. And then you can state that you are a proponent. You can write letters to um, individuals who are on the uh, committee. And by letters, I mean emails. You can send emails to, you pull up the committee assignment saying this bill is assigned to your committee. I am either for or against this bill and this is why. Advocating for why you believe a bill should be passed. And hopefully in this case, you will advocate on the Senate side because the bill is an uh, assignment. Maybe send a couple emails to President Harmon, represent uh, Senator uh, Fine, saying, please move this bill. We think it's a good idea. We want to, we believe that children deserve a second chance. We believe that they should receive mental health counseling because a lot of these kids have problems. They really do. And that mental health counseling can go so far. It really can. Getting to the root cause of what caused that delinquent behavior in the first place. You know, can we address it now? before they go into, you know, adulthood or even further and hurt somebody, you know, really bad. We, we want to address it. So if you can, you know, advocate, send emails, do a phone stream, get your other, you know, your other classmates involved. We've had individual, we had children um, during, was it was Governor Rauner's term, who actually staged a sit out outside of his office and basically shut down the Capitol for, um, I believe it was three or four hours. And these were students who did that. I believe they were from Niles. Yeah, they, they, they just shut down the Capitol. They said, we are here. You know, they were advocating for something that they believed in. You can make a difference. Well, thank you so much. Um, that is all we have today. So again, thank you so much for your thoughtful discussion and time. Absolutely. And um, thank you so much. No problem, no problem. Um, hello, Senator Fine. Thank you for your time today. We are students from the Illinois Mathematics and Science Academy. I am Irene and I use she, her pronouns. Hi, I'm Michelle and I also use she, her pronouns. Uh, we recently found out you have a bill, SB 2385, that you're trying to pass about juveniles in the justice system. So to get started, could you, in your own words, explain what SB 2385 is and why it's so urgent for Illinois? So what the bill would do is it would raise the age of a misdemeanor from 18 to 21. So that way, if you commit a misdemeanor and you're, you're 19 years old, you would be treated as a juvenile instead of an adult. And for me, I think this is really important um, because as studies will show, the brain is not fully developed until your mid-20s. And sometimes you'll do something um, that you regret when you are younger. And um, you should be able to uh, repent for what you've done wrong, but not necessarily pay for it for the rest of your life. 
So why is passing it so important and what would be the significance of this bill passing? So this bill will give a second chance to somebody who's in between the ages of 18 to 21. Um, the way I kind of describe it is if you think back to the, um, I'm going to say most stupid thing you've ever done, you know, before you're 21 years old, would you want to have to pay for that for the rest of your life? Or would you want to learn from your mistake and learn how to do better moving forward? And that's really what the goal of this bill is, um, to make sure that somebody who doesn't have a fully developed brain, who um, might be guilty of a misdemeanor, not a felony, um, but a misdemeanor, would be able to get a second chance and be able to redeem themselves. Um, so what are your, how would it be different for someone who would have committed a felony then? How would you want to kind of, I guess, deal with that kind of situation? Well, this bill doesn't deal with felonies, so um, that's that stays the same. Um, but what we're looking at right now is just the misdemeanors. Um, so what do you think are the main reasons behind juvenile delinquency, if at all? And how does SB 2385 address them? So what this bill really does is if you're a juvenile and you commit one of these crimes, you're going to go to a juvenile court. And that court's going to say, well, let's say um, that child um, stole food from a store. Um, in the juvenile court, they're going to look at why did that child steal that food? You know, did that child steal food because they're not getting food at home? Um, is there a, a, a drug issue? Is there a mental health issue? And then try to find that person's services. In the adult courts, you don't get the same treatment. And in the adult courts, you'll have a record for the rest of your life versus in a juvenile court, you will not have that record that's going to follow you. And that record can hamper you getting a job, um, getting housing, uh, for getting into a school. And so we're truly trying to give people a second chance. Thank you. And so we understand that passing legislation such as this is difficult. So if you were given the opportunity to pass whatever you wanted without opposition, what would you change about this bill? Uh, that's a really good question because this bill, I, I filed it for a number of years and it has changed over the years. And uh, one of the things we made, one of the, the changes that we made to maybe make it a little more acceptable for some people is to slowly increase the age uh, instead of having it at 21 right off the bat. And I might, you know, if I could change anything, it would be 21 off the bat and not have that slower progression. But I understand that it is a big change for, for many people in the criminal justice system. And so sometimes you have to make compromises in order to achieve what your goal might be. So has age been the largest compromise that you've made with this bill? Gosh, well, I have to think of, I think when we first started looking at the bill, we were also looking at felonies, uh, but we took that off the table because we realized that we would never be able to get that passed. Uh, and so I think that was probably the biggest change that we've seen in the legislation. Uh, but what you'll find is when you file a bill, you put everything in there you could possibly think of, and then some, knowing that you're gonna have to trim back and where can you find common ground. Mm -hmm. 
So could you please explain why you personally wanted to advocate for the justice system? Was there like a specific incident that caused this or did you kind of grow up or go into politics knowing that you wanted to help people in the justice system? So I'll be honest with you, when I first ran for office, the justice system was not on my radar screen. And then I got involved with some local, local organizations, the Juvenile Justice Institute that's in Evanston, and learned more and more about the system and how we could make it better. And after I got involved in that, I uh, was part of a, um, a, a group out of Columbia University that studied the juvenile justice system and what could be done to make it better. And then while we were doing that, we visited the system in Germany to see what are they doing because their recidivism rates are very low. And with all that combined, I realized that we are not giving so many of our kids who may do wrong um, any opportunities. We're slapping them on the hands, we're, we're penalizing them, but we're not looking at why they did what they did and what can we do as a society to make things better. That's really interesting. Um, so are there any other issues that you want to address in the juvenile or just in the justice, justice system in general? Oh, in general, oh my goodness, I would love <laughs> to, to change our entire um, prison system. If you, I, if you have the opportunity, if you're um, studying this right now, I would highly recommend just, have you looked at the German system at all or the Irish system? There's, their uh, prison systems are very different than ours. And theirs are all based on rehabilitation and not punishment. So after World War II in Germany, um, the United States helped rewrite the constitution. And when they rewrote the constitution, they put the word humanitarian in it. So their system is much more humanitarian than our system is. So, um, for example, when I went to go visit some of the juvenile prisons, when these kids, and I'm calling them kids uh, just because of my age, but many of them are probably old, older than you, um, when they are sentenced, they first, for their, about their first six weeks, they spend time with social workers and psychologists, and they figure out what is their work going to be, what is their course going to be towards release. So they figure out what services does this person need? Um, do they need addiction services? Do they need to work with a psychiatrist? Do they need to have somebody working with their family on the outside? So not only are they working on that, but then if you don't have your GED or your high school equivalency, you're in school for eight hours a day. And if you already do have that high school equivalency, uh, you are being trained in a trade. So you're learning to be a painter or a carpenter or one of the um, systems we visited, they actually had a working farm and you learn how to farm. So when people come out of the system, they're prepared for life. You know, they're not just told that, okay, you've done your time, you can leave now. They, they, before they leave, they go on work release um, and it's just, it's so different. And also the dynamic of the juvenile system there is very different uh, as well. So for example, um, everybody, 
sits at tables to eat with regular silverware. Um, many times you prepare your own meals. You have a, um, the rooms are more like dorm rooms in the prisons where you have privacy and you have a key that you can let yourself into your room, but you can't let yourself out of your room. You wear your own clothes. Uh, the, the guards are trained very differently. They go through two years of training before they're in the system. Um, and in those two years, they learn how to be social workers. Um, they learn, you know, a vast array of things. And when they walk through the prison system, most of them are also in their regular clothes and they don't carry weapons, they carry walkie talkies. So it's a very, very different dynamic. And as a result of that dynamic, they have, in, in my opinion, better outcomes. So what are the biggest challenges with implementing a system such as the German or Irish system, like in the United States? Um, I think there's a couple. One is money. It would cost a lot of money in order to change our system. And two is changing mindsets to a system based on rehabilitation and not on punishment. So finally, how can we as youth advocate for juvenile justice? That, that is a great question. And quite honestly, I think a lot will change if, if youth get involved uh, because you know, unfortunately, it, there's the saying, it's uh, the lucky ones don't get caught, you know, because sometimes somebody could do something that maybe you did, um, but they get caught and penalized as a result of it. And so juveniles or the younger generation, I'm going to say, um, really stands, needs to stand up to say, hey, this is what we think would work better. And we need you to listen to us because we want to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to be the best person that they can be. And those are all our questions. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed learning about the legislation and policy that goes into juvenile justice reform in the state of Illinois. If you're interested in, or even if you want to advocate for this topic, please join us in our future podcasts. Thank you so much.